Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist Church. A number of you are up here. 25% of our group is behind me. Uh, Don and I are going to do that. Um, what's the thing with the, with the duel? We're going to take five steps. No. Um, we're uh, so grateful that you're here. If you're a guest here today, um, we're so thankful that you decided to worship with us. We have copies of my sermon in the back. If you would like to follow along with the sermon, we have bulletins that explain everything that we're doing in the service today and, and in the week to come. We have a great service today with handbells and with uh, uh, strings and with uh, um, palms coming in. And we're going to try to hold two things in tension today. Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday. Passion is the story of uh, Jesus going to the cross. We're doing so in, um, because we know that um, some of you can only come on a Sunday and on a Sunday. And so if you come on Palm Sunday and we're waving palms, you come on Easter Sunday and it's resurrection, it was a pretty good week. We had a pretty good week. Um, but we want you to understand um, the tremendous highs and lows of the emotions of the week. And so we're going to talk about um, both elements. We're going to sing about both elements. We're going to pray about both elements. Uh, so that you understand how the two um, were combined throughout the week. Um, we have exploring membership classes every first Sunday at 10 a.m. It's in the social hall, which is in between this and the gym. And uh, you get to know people who it's their first Sunday all the way till we just joined recently. We invite people to come to those classes to get other new friendly faces. And so I encourage you to come if you're a newcomer. Um, we have tried to uh, further our security check-in system today. We tried it in the gym as maybe the best location. So we're going to keep shifting that until we find the best location for traffic. Uh, flow uh, throughout the Sunday morning. And so if you'll just keep paying attention to that until we get it right. Monday, Thursday, our service will be on uh, this Thursday at 7 p.m. It will be here in the sanctuary. It's um, a service that's a little less than an hour. It's very powerful and commemorates the moment at which Jesus offered communion to his disciples in that uh, darkest of times he was offering grace and love and mercy. Um, we want to make you aware each Sunday and towards the buildup that uh, Lauren, who's right here, say hi, Lauren. Lauren, like, very much like our own John Rush, retired from a life in service and then was asked to come out of retirement and serve again. And he served here at Memorial. And like John Rush, he said, you know what? I think I like retirement. I'm going to retire. And so uh, uh, Lauren is going to retire after serving us uh, for some time. And we're grateful for his service. Please let him know uh, that you're grateful. And please let anyone know that, um, uh, that you know that loves choir, if they would like to entertain applying for that position to let us know. I want to say thank you personally for um, your generosity with the Leadership Greer Project. We raised $2,000 from our church um, to give to that organization, which is just, um, y'all have already overwhelmed me with generosity in a number of different ways in this time, and that was just one more tremendous example that we, we were one of um, uh, the biggest offerings, if not the biggest one, to the project that will go to help people with food insecurity in this community. And so I'm just, I'm just entirely grateful uh, for your participation in that. Um, CEP is having their fundraising book fair. You can find books in the gym. They are children's books, and it's going to help them with a laminator. If you love children's books or you have a loved one who does, make sure you stop by the CEP. Um, Lori is here in a blue jacket, and she can help you buy a book if you'd like. Um, Adam wasn't feeling well today, and so he wasn't able to take Sunday school class pictures of people not in the gym today, but he will be well next week, and I suspect y'all will have a pretty decent crowd next week at Easter Sunday, right? So he will be coming to your classes to take those pictures. Administrative Council is today at 3 p.m. 
Um, we have that every other month, and we have program council the other months. Uh, so today we'll talk about our um, electric bill, we'll be talking about our building, we'll be talking about our plans for the future uh, regarding our structure. And so I invite you to come to uh, the admin council if you are on that board. If you are a child and would like to wave a palm branch, I invite you to go to the back. If you wonder if it's a cool thing to do, it is. It's a very cool thing to do. And I will be doing it. So I invite all children to go to the back, and we're going to have a parade of pond fronds with the bells and with the bells and with the choir and with the song and all the stuff, uh, just as it was uh, when Jesus came into town. So um, let's begin our worship service.
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. I'd like to invite the children up for the children's sermon at this time. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Do you have a favorite sports team? Gamecocks. No? You got one more? No. Okay. Well, when we have a favorite sports team, we do something for them. Here you go. There's yours. And I almost got in trouble. I almost forgot the Citadel. Sorry. <laughs> but I but I remembered. There you go. Hold that. Of course, mine's the Tigers. And my nephew plays at Furman, so we had to include Furman. You like Furman? Okay. Okay. When you have a favorite sports team and they're really great. Lots of times we have parades, right? I remember a couple years ago, the Gamecocks won the national championship, didn't they, in baseball? And they had this big parade in South Carolina. And what do you do when they come by? Wave your flags. We shout and we say hooray and go team, right? Yes, okay, well, but then what happens if your team's not so good? They were great, and then they became not so good. They start losing a lot. Oh, the coach is terrible. We don't have good players. What is wrong with our team? Is that what happens a lot of times? When your team starts losing and your friends' teams are really good, it's real hard. And people say, ugh. I don't know what's wrong with our team. Our team's not too good. Well, I'm going to tell you, the exact same thing happened to Jesus. And I know you think, how did that happen to Jesus? They didn't have sports teams back then. But it did. Um, 
today's the Sunday, and the, the Bible tells us that Jesus got on a donkey and he rode into Jerusalem. And you wave these this morning, right? Do you know what these are? These are palm, palm, palm branches. And around here we have maple trees and pine trees and oak trees. Where Jesus lived, they didn't have the, they don't have those type of trees. They have palm trees. And anytime a king came into town or uh, someone real special came into town and they had a parade, people waved palm branches. And a palm branch stood for victory and joy. So when they were real excited, just like we wave pennants and flags and things when we have parades, they wave palm branches. Okay? So on... Uh, all the people were cheering, yay for Jesus, Hosanna to God in the highest, lots of praises. But then, in just a week, guess what happened? The cheers turned into jeers, and jeers is when you say ugly things, like when people say, what's wrong with my team? My coach is terrible, okay? They went from cheers to jeers. They started saying, we don't know him. Crucify him. Who is he? He's not our king anymore. And even the people wanted to release a bad prisoner named Barabbas instead of Jesus. So it was a very hard week to go in from, yay, great to who is he? He's not our friend. Don't, don't, don't say I'm for him. They even some of them went into hiding. They denied him. And Jesus felt like he no longer had a friend. But he knew what he had to do because this was God's plan. And because of what he did, we are saved. So let us pray. Dear God, let us, let us know that you, we know that you're our king. Please let us always realize this in the good times and even when it's not so easy. In your name we pray. Amen. And I have a word search for you for today that has a lot of the words on it that have to do with Palm Sunday and Easter. Oh, sorry. Very kind, Noah. Thank you.
Good morning. The first scripture lesson this morning comes from Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. After Jesus had said this, he went ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent his two disciples, saying, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say to them, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found what he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people sprayed their coats on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, a whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning I'll ask you to remember Lynn Kennemore and the loss of his wife, Gail. And we're asked to remember Pete and Jeanette Schultz. Jeanette's sister, Karen, Carol Overmeyer, passed away early yesterday morning in Thomasville, and they'll be traveling there for the service. Let us pray. Gracious God, this life has such tremendous highs and joys, celebrations of music and palms, and new life. This life has such tremendous lows of pain and illness, sickness and death. As we read throughout the text, in every part of the Bible, there are people who rejoice at the fact that you are present in all things. At times they are confident, at times they're pretty sure, at times they wonder, and at times they think, I have no idea if God is here or not. And all four sentiments capture our feelings today. Lord, as we consider these two drastically different themes, we are reminded of the times in our life in a very short period of time, in a day, in a week, where things can change for us so drastically. We ask for our own awareness of your presence and love and mercy that precedes anything that ever happens to us. And we ask that you help us to be loving hands, feet, ears, words to those who are mourning. 
inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Now is our time to give our tithes and other offerings and pass the attendance sheet if you haven't done so already. Visitors, if you put any contact information in there, we would love to contact you. Uh, have you note as well how drastically the music changes, the scripture changes, the atmosphere changes towards this moment.
Normally I encourage you to read along in your pew Bible in worship. I think today we jump around a little bit in a way that makes it a little difficult. So you can if you like, and the numbers are there. Um, before I begin with the second lesson, I want to talk about the first one, the story of the palms, the one that was read in the first lesson. An image came to mind as I read it this time that uh, the movies that I watch. I'm far more inclined to watch a movie I've seen a thousand times than to watch a new movie. I don't know how y'all are with that, but I am um, professionally bound to read the same texts over and over again as the season goes, and to talk about those texts in a, a faithful way to the text, but also in a new way to the moment. And uh, so I naturally do that same thing with movies. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, if you had uh, Star Wars, uh, Godfather, Top Gun, Gladiator, throwing some sports movies, I'm good for all of moviedom forever. In each of these cases, you have a leader who in the very beginning is betrayed in the first 5, 10, 20 minutes, sent outside, who then gathers a group of people who would never be gathered before to bring them back into the place to take that place over and conquer it again, right? And whether it be on a horse into a western town, whether it be on a plane as part of a group of planes, whether it be on a Star Destroyer as part of what's happening in Star Wars, we are coming back with more force than you can possibly imagine, and we're going to take this from you whether you like it or not. With that in mind, I want you to consider the image of Jesus going into Jerusalem. It had nothing to do with 35 people on horses in the cavalry with swords charging this way and with infantry marching behind them set to take whatever the cavalry didn't take of, care of and cannons behind them making sure that anyone in there would wish that they were not there this day. Jesus had not one of those things. And anyone who would consider a Messiah from the prophecy who would say this is a person who's going to come and is going to provide for us all, that's going to restore the nation of Israel, they would think the way we're going to restore the nation of Israel is by force, whether they like it or not, and keep it, whether they like it or not. Jesus comes in on a horse. And he's got another little horse. That's it. That's all he has. No weapons. And if people paid very close attention to prophets, you'd see that they had said something like this. But most people, I think, think of someone who is strong and bold and fearless and coming into town to take it back. Jesus comes in peacefully. So here's the story of the Passion. John 19.30. And we've read just little parts of this for the last six weeks of things that Jesus said in the moment. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is something that Reverend Hamilton wanted us to truly notice, to him saying, it is finished. This is, this is way after Jesus entering Jerusalem, after the trial, after the crucifixion. He's now dying, and he says, it's finished. What's finished? Well, anybody there would think, you're finished. And anything you've ever been a part of is finished. And anyone who ever claims that they were with you is finished. So they better leave town before we eliminate them, too. That's not what Jesus was talking about. 
In fact, um, Reverend Hamilton references Bishop Will Williman, who um, grew up in Greenville at Buncombe Street, served churches in the Greenville district, uh, served at Duke University at the chapel, served as a bishop in North Alabama, and is now back at Duke Chapel. And he said, consider Michelangelo looking at a great piece of work that he had poured his entire heart into that people would see far beyond his days, saying, it is finished. A masterpiece. Something that no one else could do. Something that few can comprehend unless they see it over and over and over again and understand it for themselves and for their God. It was Jesus' masterpiece of ultimate denial of selfishness. Though he was in human form. See, the people that wonder if Jesus was ever fully human, did he really have to suffer like we would? Or was he God and really didn't feel any pain? Did he really have to stay on the cross? Did he really have to feel that pain? Did he really have to die? Yes. And in so doing, he abandoned every level of selfishness that human beings have. Really low levels, really high levels. Consider Adam and Eve. Where were they? Amazing place. What was their responsibility to take care of that place and to limit themselves from going to the one place that they could not? How did they do with that? King David, conquering king, most often won. Most often had military victories. He had everything he could ever want. Yet he looked across the street at his neighbor and he thought, I don't know if I have everything. He struggled. The disciples walked with Jesus wherever he went. Whether it was 18 months, 24 months, 36 months, maybe longer than that, they walked with Jesus and saw him do the things that he did. And in so doing, even that, they said, yeah, down the road, could I, could I have a really cool seat beside you? Because that'd be great. They wanted a little bit more. They said, can you make these people go away? Because they're a hassle. I don't want to feed them. They're just, they're human. And so are we. And so was he. And his walking into Jerusalem with no weapons, without an army, knowing what he was facing, and going to the cross, and being uh, obedient to his God was his ultimate masterpiece that was now finished. Verse 44 in Luke 23 says, It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. That's a powerful phrase. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, the author of the book we've been reading would suggest that that was a powerful phrase in that moment, but it's not tied to that moment specifically. He said, in fact, there's any time that we can say that. He had forgiven those present on the cross with him. He had offered mercy to a thief. He had cared for his mother. He had prayed in triumph, a prayer that Jewish mothers taught their sons from Psalm 31 into your hands I commit my spirit 
So you don't have to worry about whether I am committed to this church or to this community. If I were to fill out an hourly sheet as to what I was doing in the church in conversations or visiting people in the hospital or going to um, uh, city council or um, reaching out to neighbors or whatever that may be, you don't have to worry about that with me. What you do have to worry about is um, my attitude sometimes when I'm not doing those things. When I'm not doing those things, sometimes I worry about doing those things. I think, I don't want to go to a social event. I was just in a social event. I don't want to go to another social event. I'm scared to talk about this scripture. I talked about that scripture back there. It's fun to talk about that scripture. I don't want to talk about this scripture. I'm worried about money. Do we have enough money to do this? Do we have enough money to thrive? Do we have enough money to reach out? I'm worried and I don't want to think about worrying. This is a baby inside. What do I look on the outside? How you doing today? You good? You good? On the inside. Shredded, ripped anxiety over how will this go and what will happen and what will the results be and what will people think about the results? This is something I personally have to say the phrase that Jesus uttered in that moment. I have to not think, how many people will be at this event? What will the atmosphere be like at this event? What will the response be at this event? I have to say, Lord, forget all that. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Now that's my personal one. If you were to think to yourself, what do you do that impedes the will of God in your life, that impedes your ability to reach out to the community, to your coworker, to your loved one, what is the thing that stops you? Because Reverend Hamilton would suggest that that phrase is not just from that moment. It's from... Jesus reaching out to those at the wedding at Cana when he wondered if he should do so and his mom said, yeah, you're doing it. It's when he went out in the desert and denied himself sufficient food and water for 40 days. Lord, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When Satan approached him following those 40 days and said, look, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. I'll give you this if you just bow down and follow me. It was in that moment that Jesus says, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he called his disciples, when he reached out to people that were acting insane in the community that no one would reach out to, when he told stories he knew would incite the people, that Samaritans did an awesome thing and your priests abandoned those people. He knew that was going to be hard. When everything was tremendous and they had the biggest crowds they were going to have and he said to himself and to others, we've got to go to Jerusalem. Lord, into your hands. I commit my spirit, he says. When he goes into Jerusalem on that simple animal with no weapon. When he goes in that solitary prison and knows what's coming. When he goes to the cross and when the cross is completed, he says this phrase. So it's not just for the end of life when we're thinking, I hope from henceforth I will go immediately into heaven. It is 
right now, this day and all days forward, Lord, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Verse 47 says, The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. What does the centurion represent? Outsiders. You know how many times outsiders got it in the Gospels? People who weren't necessarily part of the community for one reason or another, or people who weren't necessarily part of their nation for one reason or another people who weren't following along with Jesus, there's something about those people following along with Jesus who were really good at staring at their own belly button. What we're doing, what we're saying. Did you hear what he said? There's no way he can say that. Did he say that about me? He can't say that about you. Laser focused on the inside. It's an outsider that sees Jesus walking by and he says, this is a person who gets it. So let's think of the things that stop us both personally and corporately as a church from living out the will of God. Those things that cause us to be part of that crowd that says, yeah, you can go ahead and crucify him. I think Barabbas is a pretty good guy compared to him. Let's think about the things we say and we do, the things we do not say, the things we do not do that cause us to miss it as an insider. And let's say throughout this entire week, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our final hymn is number 286, O Sacred Head Now Wounded.
encourage you throughout this week as you consider the sacrifice of Christ not to think, well, Christ sacrificed for me, therefore, I do not need to sacrifice. In fact, Christ set the perfect example of self-sacrifice of ourselves. Into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Amen.